we go on with the Bible study tonight. First of all, next week we will be starting a new series, and so with that we have new materials, and um, they are here and, and available for you, praise God. Somebody's asked me probably more than once, and I've forgotten it probably that many times too, but they asked me about these books. Do they cost? And I said, yeah, the church buys them. I said, if you want to purchase them, you're certainly welcome to do that. Um, we're not going to make anybody uh, buy them, but I mean, the idea of it is if you want to support this ministry or this end of the ministry, you're certainly welcome to do that. What do these books cost? Four dollars? Is that what they are? Okay, well, that's not a whole lot. So if you want to give, you can. That's kind of an optional thing. But the books are there, and you can take them home tonight and take a look at them. I hope you're using them. I think those devotionals are very, very resourceful, and that kind of stuff is, is made to help us to remember, praise God. So keep that in mind. Um, this week, of course, uh, or I should say coming Sunday, we'll be having services here in the morning, and then, of course, in the evening, or actually it's in the middle of the afternoon, the ladies are going to begin their annual Christmas um, I was just about call it a ball. Um, I, uh, party, okay, yeah, I think that'd probably be better. Christmas ball, our ladies are having a Christmas ball. Yeah, there'll be a glass slipper around somewhere, somebody can try to get that type of thing. But no, it promises to be a good time. The ladies, uh, I really appreciate them, they, they cook so good. My wife asked me today, I, she said, what should I cook for it? I said, let me give you a suggestion. She said, what's that? I said, cook something I don't like. And I said, take it to them. And I said, that, that's, doesn't that make sense? I mean, no, she doesn't cook too many things that I don't like, so you can rest assured she'll bring something that is good. But I, if you've got any, um, any questions about that, you can contact her. She will be available for your, uh, whatever uh, questions you have, in Jesus' name. Is there anything else that we... Ooh, William, this coming weekend, a parade... Parade of Lights, and you have a float. That's awesome. He's, um, I know you've had other help, and I don't know who that is, and I, I, you know, if I, forgive me if I don't mention you, but I appreciate um, his going for that. Um, advertising, he's got some stuff he's going to be handing out, and hopefully people will get the, the message. It is Saturday, isn't it? What time? Yes. 51. Wow, that's a lot. You know, hopefully the weather will be decent. You know, I mean, that's, the only, that's a lot of what determines whether or not people come out to these things. But nevertheless, we appreciate you doing that. That is a good thing. Um, I know years ago we've had them in there and, and haven't had one in, in the Christmas thing for a while. So appreciate that, William. Thank you for your efforts. Praise God. Appreciate you doing that. Um, is that it, Sister Carnahan? That's it? Okay. Well, you come. How many appreciates Carlos and his spirit and his way, way of teaching? I do too. I think he is really, really good. Um, and so I appreciate him. I give him this microphone because this is the pro's microphone. And so I take the, the one that's not such a pro one. So, but appreciate that. And this will be the last lesson tonight he's going to be teaching in the older um, uh, stuff that we have. So, Lord bless you. Appreciate it.
Amen. God is good and thankful for a place, again, like this where we can come and we can engage and we can receive the things of God and really just continue on that path and be in an environment where we can, we can receive the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, all, all which the Scriptures teach us work together for our benefit to build us up. Brother, can I yes, say sir. just one more thing, and I forgot about this. Sunday night, I was so proud of our men, Amen. you know, um, and nothing against Frank. Frank was just inquisitive. He'd never heard it like this before. But when he asked, you know, question, and he was pretty much determined in his own mind that it didn't matter, wow, did he hit a buzzsaw. <laughs> Not a mean one, but a determined one. I mean, men, man after man after man was giving him uh, personal testimony and just yes. good things. And so we hope that that seed got sown into his heart, praise Amen. God. Because our intention was not to, to embarrass him or make him feel bad. We, we didn't want to do that. That was the idea of it is, though. But we did have to answer that. And so what did the Bible say? Be ready to give an answer. That's right. For them that are asking. That's right. And so we qualified him as asking, okay? Amen. So appreciate yes. you guys. Appreciate your spirit and what you did it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, it was awesome Sunday night. And I'm thankful that we can come and, you know, be a part of what the Bible describes as the purpose of the church. It's the edification, the building up of the saints, the people, the called out ones, as the scripture describes, the ecclesia, uh, that God has called out the assembly of believers so that we can be ready. We can be prepared to give people answers. So the, the Word of God is, is not just a, a nice book to carry around, as we know, but it really deals with all the issues of huma humanity that you and I struggle with, that we want answers to. And we, we are designed by nature to want to find out the answers to these things, as we're going to see in tonight's study, which was something King Solomon was really looking to do in his life. And I know that uh, we've been going through a course on wisdom and Really, tonight's going to be con the conclusion of that, and it really is the conclusion. We're going to talk about three major conclusions that our preacher, or the King Solomon as we know him, but he referred to himself as the preacher uh, in this book of Ecclesiastes, came to. And I was like, I can appreciate the struggle, you know, that he was struggling with and all that God had given him. So we're going to examine just three of those conclusions tonight. So we're not going to be here long, but in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask for your wisdom, your understanding, that you teach this study, Lord, that with open hearts and minds we receive this word, Father, because it's your word, God. It's designed for us, Lord, to take heed, to receive. Let, Lord, I pray us receive it. Let it correct us if it need be. Let it inspire us, Lord. Let it instruct us. Let us receive it as such, Lord, and let it be the guide to which we base our lives on. And Lord, we thank you for every single person here tonight, Lord, for their faith to come out here, to sit and to hear your word, God. And I pray for everyone online, Lord, that they receive also the blessing you have for them, knowing that they are just as important as everyone here, Lord. And we are all called, Lord, to be united in the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ, Lord. And your spirit does that, Lord. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the church. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So wisdom's warning, isn't God good? You know, and just to cover a couple of definitions so we can, that I think were very uh, helpful as I read through the passages in Ecclesiastes. First of all, how many picked up on the, uh, the word koheleth? Pronounced koheleth, but spelled K-R-Q-O-H-E-L-E-T-H. 
It is simply the definition of preacher, the Hebrew or Aramaic definition we find in our concordances in that passage. We find that used a lot in our uh, Word of Life uh, devotionals, and we also find the word vanity in the Scripture used a lot and vexation. The definition of vanity is unsatisfactory, emptiness, transitory. The definition of vexation is grasping after, longing, and striving. And I think those are some very, especially the last two, very important definitions to, to bring to mind as you read through this text. It helps us understand better the, the, the depths and the lengths that Solomon was going after to, discuss, to, to, to find out meaning of life, to, to find purpose in life. So the first point I want to talk about is the, the, the fact that now is the time to serve God. That is one of the main conclusions that was concluded not only in our devotionals, but in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I do want to touch base with chapter 2 really quick. We find a lot of the term I being used. And in Solomon's search for purpose and meaning, he used I, I made, I got, I gathered. I was great and increased, so on and so forth. And to me, that stuck out, it kind of jumped out at me as really the contrast between man's efforts versus God's efforts. And we see that when we try to take upon these great tasks like finding meaning in life, finding purpose on our own, we can hit a wall of frustration really fast. And however, in contrast to using God's method, which is simply written in his word, we can find real simple, practical ways and attainable ways that are accessible to everybody in life. And so I was, uh, interestingly, these verses of scripture are very relevant to you and I today. So let us turn our attention to verses, specifically uh, verses 17 and 18 in chapter two. And one verse says here, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. A profound yet simple conclusion, but after searching and taking up all these things upon himself to do and accomplish, to find out purpose, that is what Solomon realized. One of the main themes is that, man, one day, all that I've got, all that I've gained, all I've discovered, all my efforts, one day are going to be left to someone else. You know, and we understand that Solomon, and I'm thankful that God used Solomon in this example. He had given him so much money, power, position, authority, influence. And you think about those things, just that, that handful of things right there. Um, those are some things that really our world is always striving for or seeking after. You know, and doing all kinds of manner of things to obtain more power, more influence, right? Um, we see things like, little things like the TED Talks, and, and we see people who are trying to influence other people that way, given their wisdom, and we see how people are hungry for that. And that's why those types of platforms are so popular, because they're, they're there, they're there to gain something, some insight on a profession or an invention or an idea or a philosophy. And so we see kind of that same thing, on that, that same path that Solomon, with all his wisdom, and he was the most wise person, the Bible says, right? And we see our world today still trying that same path, but not with not nearly the wisdom that he had. 
And yet we know that God has made available his word. We know and we've discussed, we discussed through the studies as we've gone through in the past weeks that the wisdom of God is simply attainable by asking God for it. James 1 describes that process. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally this wisdom. And that is how we want to approach the things of God because that's the only way we will we'll make progress is by asking God for wisdom in his word. You know, wisdom is we, uh, to show us things through his word. And there's not a single thing in this life that you and I are going to encounter that the word of God doesn't address some way, somehow, to, to teach us God's expectations, to teach us how God would desire us to respond, to teach us direction, to teach us meaning in life. Amen? We learn that the preacher tried enjoying pleasure only to find it meaningless. Upon reflection, he had concluded that all the great achievements that he listed were meaningless, and ironically, all the wisdom that he had gained was also meaningless as he attempted to solve his existential crisis. And what a, what a term. Who's ever heard of that term, existential, or that phrase, existential crisis, before? Anyone want to take a stab at what it means? Has anyone had one? <laughs> I know you don't have to tell me that, but Sister Carney. I think it's in the word itself, the crisis that's going to affect your very existence. Amen, exactly. It is totally about the existence, our crisis of existence. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And sometimes we've, in our modern world, that can be described as a, a midlife crisis, so to speak. We hear that in our common world phrases today, a midlife crisis, but it's really that existential crisis. People are having, they want to know what their purpose is in life. Why am I here? And we, we see that in science and in our world today, trying to find that. You know, we've got telescopes that are you know, looking out into the stars to try to find our meaning, our origin, and all these things, you know, trying to figure it out. Well, Solomon, the preacher, was having just that. And as we find in our devotionals, he was having that same kind of existential crisis. What is the purpose of all this, right? And yet, we find ourselves that same human nature being on display in ourselves as we try to find, and we grasp for purpose, for meaning. And that's why groups and clubs and and I was even sharing today with the gentleman sometimes things like gangs are so uh, compelling to people they're attractive because they people feel like their life means something more when they join things that are bigger than them that that are are have a greater scope than they are and so um, but we know that that's just uh, another version of how this world would take the things of God and use them for their intents and purposes when we know that that very desire was created in us because we are supposed to belong to Christ. We belong to him. And he has given us the assembly, the ecclesia, the, to be a part of, the body of Christ, as the scripture describes, to be a part of, to give that gives you and I true meaning. And we, we become a part of that. The Bible says that as we, uh, we are baptized by a spirit into that body. We are adopted as sons and daughters into the body of Christ. And that, the scriptures teaches us, where we find our true meaning. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, another thing in Ecclesiastes 12 that the preacher concluded is in, found in verse 1. It says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. 
Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And that's sort of a, a summary of a few passages in Ecclesiastes 12. But just Solomon realized that with all this wisdom and all that he had done to obtain meaning and purpose, what it boiled down to was he realized that I need to remember, it's wise to remember our creator in the days of our youth. There will be a day, and we, we discovered that in our devotionals this week, that there were stories of those who realized that they, they got to a certain point in their life that they just weren't as physically as strong anymore. They couldn't, their eyes were not as uh, bright anymore. They weren't able to read as well anymore and do the things. So the scriptures teach us that it is very wise. Solomon concluded it's wise to, uh, to remember our creator in our youth. It does not imply that, that people are, who are older can't obtain salvation or a relationship with God. It just, he, he came to that conclusion. And ultimately, why? Because one day this, this body will just return back to the dust where it came from. And so to, to try to obtain and find meaning outside of God is futile. It's fruitless, and we will find ourselves empty. And which, again, if we can recall, the de- it's one of the definitions of vanity. An, a, a, an occurring word throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we find. Additionally, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we learn that the preacher solved his existential crisis by simply cho- choosing to fear God. And in doing to, choosing to fear God, which is a choice you and I get to make in this life. We have to choose to fear God. And in doing that, we realize that is the key to the wisdom. That's the key to the door that unlocks wisdom into our lives. The wisdom of God that teaches us how to be in right standing with God, that teaches us the will of God for our lives, that teaches us how to be in, to fulfill, to be fulfilled and have purpose in our lives. And it all starts with the fear of God. And that's vital. And we understand in that context, fearing God means that reverence toward God, being in awe of the things of God. And that's something I've begun to pray lately is, Lord, I want to continually be in awe of you because we serve a God that can do that for us. We serve a God who's able to provide and open our eyes to things and experiences that you and I have never had. The Bible says taste and see that God is good. You know, he's so good to us. He wants us to experience him, and we can at the, at, on a daily basis through his word, through our meditation. So I am also glad I take opportunities to, to use these, these books, God's Word for Life, the Word of God as, as my daily meditations, because I know I'm anticipating every time I open the Word that God's going to show me something I, I didn't see before or give me a deeper understanding, you know. I, and I think that as we encounter God, God continues to reveal more of himself to us to get us closer and closer. And sometimes in our humanity, we want it all at once. We want to know everything, you know, up front so we can pursue it. But we know that that is the opposite of really what faith teaches. We need to pursue God. And as we do that, and we see so many examples in in the word of God, that as people pursued God in faith, he slowly revealed more and more of himself, more of the will of God for their personal lives to them. That, and I might, one good example that comes to my mind is Peter. When Jesus called him as a fisherman, right, and he followed Jesus, he didn't know exactly what that entailed. He just recognized this, this is 
of God right here. I'm following it. And then we see in Acts chapter 2 that, he, that a totally different Peter preaching the word of God with authority. Right? He was persuaded in his mind in the name of Jesus. And he had a conversion. And that's what the word of God will do to us. And that's what that constant opening of our eyes and, and, and opening doors for us does is it, it continually converts us to the mind, to the, to, to the conformity and the, the ways of God in our hearts. Because that's what really matters with God is the heart of man. And that is what the New Testament has revealed and brought to us in Jesus is how we can be converted to the heart of God, right? The Bible says that God would put his laws and his, his, his words in the heart of man. And that we know was fulfilled through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So that, that the Spirit of God can be our personal teacher, our personal counselor, our personal, our power, right, in our lives. That will enable us to do things we would have never done on our own. Again, look at Peter as an example. The things that, he, that God empowered him to do that he would have never done as just fisherman Peter. Amen? So that's what the wisdom of God does for us in the name of Jesus. The same understanding that Solomon, or the preacher, found, also we can find in the New Testament. And uh, one example is the Apostle's Paul, Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthian church regarding Jesus Christ in relation to the ecclesia, or called out ones, and by extension, all of humanity, even as the angel with the heavenly host proclaimed in the Gospels, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We find this explanation in Paul's letter in the Second Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, and, 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 he's, and he writes, and that he died for all, speaking of Christ, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them which died for them and rose again. Whence, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation." To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. We've seen that same conclusion that really Solomon came to. That he, when he said, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth, right? And that one day this life will be over. The wisdom of God, the word of God teaches us that this life is a vapor. Even our own conscience, we know that. Even uh, outside of the word of God, that this life is so temporary. So to, to embrace, as Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, that your purpose is to be to have that ministry of reconciliation in your life, to let people know that wherever you're at in your life, you can be reconciled to the God of heaven through Jesus Christ. He has given us the power. He has made the way. And frankly, that is the message of Christmas, is it not? There is a Jesus who is now calling people to be reconciled. Come closer to God. 
you know, what, what was between us and God is, is it can be washed away and we can approach God and not just approach him, but have boldness as we approach God, knowing that he made a way for us. Right. Amen. God is God is reaching out. He is he's teaching us. And again, this begins with the fear of God saying simply, Lord, I desire to fear you. And the word of God will uh, the preaching of the word God has chose to 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 uh, really instill the fear, those things of God in us. And I look back at my own life and the many times that I've heard the, the word preached to me and God pricked my heart concerning the, my life and where I was at. You know, those are the kinds of things that God will do so that you and I can respond to him. I was sharing with a gentleman today that, yes, there's, this, there's grace, and that's how God intervenes in our lives. And, but the Bible says grace, we are saved by grace through faith. And that, that intervention of God, which he is always doing, and he has, he has done initially through Jesus Christ, but continues to intervene in the lives in every generation, to every person, to every human being, that intervention needs to be met with faith. And that is what would bring about salvation. And faith is our part. That is our response to the, to the word of God, to the grace of God. We respond to him. And in doing so, we find and we become familiar with the concept of the fear of God, what that looks like, and why it's so vital in our lives, as Solomon did, and as Paul was preaching here to the Corinthian church. Amen. So the, the, this describes clearly the purpose of our existence, right? When we embrace the things of reconciliation, the ministry of re reconciliation, we realize that that existential crisis is solved. I found my purpose. I know why I'm here. I know what I need to do. I don't know all the particulars, right? But I know that one day at a time, as I seek the Lord, the Lord will be faithful to meet me with answers and the peace that I need, the fulfillment that I need, right? And we need to stay plugged into God. We need to stay connected to that. We need to stay connected to the church because these are, these are the lifelines God has given us in the New Testament, his word, his spirit, the body of Christ. And when, as we stay plugged into that, we stay connected, right? And it, but as, if we choose to unplug from that, which we can, that process, that normal human process that's in the world will take, eventually take over. And we'll find ourselves thinking again like we used to think or being fearful or unsure of our purpose, questioning, right? The enemy always wants us to question the things of God. And so the more we stay unplugged from that, the more we will start naturally questioning our purpose and what God has done for us. So let's stay plugged in. Let's stay fresh. And I'm thankful that we can gather together in apostolic places like this and get the refreshing of the Lord, get renewed in our minds, right? Receive that correction and be uh, anticipated and welcome it in our lives. And if we can learn to let God correct our thinking through his word, correct our, 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 our way of life, or reprove us in our thinking, then we're going to start making progress with the things of God. And we're going to start finding that revelation coming more and more. We're going to find, the sooner we'll find our purpose, because that is what the Word of God is designed to do. It's designed to help you and I as believers. Amen. So now, as we view this short video, let us consider these things 
that are going on in our lives, not just in this busy Christmas season, but really for our daily living and ask the Lord to give us understanding. The question is asked, how can we make more time for our relationships with Jesus Christ? Problem is, we cannot make more time. Each of us have a limited supply of time. So what can we do? Well, we can make better use of our time, and that involves choices and priorities. Back in the day, when you decided to go pray, you would always have some type of distraction. It was just a normal thing, and that is still the same today. Now, though, we have digital distractions that we carry around with us all the time. It may be our phone, whatever, but those, those distractions can hinder us. There are ways to solve that. We can put aside a digital relationship that with someone we hardly even know, and instead, by saying no to that, we can say yes to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, who is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There are choices we have to make. We have to lay aside some things and pick up some other things. Jesus perhaps said it best in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Let me read that to you right quick. But then when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's a wonderful promise that Jesus made to us. But the question is, what is a prayer closet? Uh, do we have a prayer closet? Do we have to set aside a room in our house for a prayer closet? Do we have to designate it, have a dim light and our Bible open there at all times? What is a prayer closet? Really, a prayer closet is just what we make it where we can get away from distractions and get into the presence of God. We all have them, I trust. Uh, we may have it in the cab of our pickup truck. We may have it uh, in the backyard under an awning. We may have it in a beach somewhere where we get along. We have it in various places. One of the greatest stories I've ever read is about the mother of Charles and John Wesley. John Wesley, father of a major religious movement, great people, songwriter Charles was, but his mother had 19 children. Kept her quite busy, I'm sure, but she had a, a unique prayer closet. She'd sit at her kitchen table after cooking and serving 19 children plus a husband. She would take her apron and fling it over her head. When her children saw their mother in the kitchen with the apron over their head, they knew she had entered her prayer closet. Worked for her. You making a prayer closet for you will work for you. Lay aside some distractions. Put your attention on the Lord. Don't be distracted and center on Him and it'll work. God bless you. <clears throat> Amen. We all all need that prayer closet, and I appreciate that. And just to, to reemphasize that point, now is the time to serve God. Today is the day, and it's making intentional efforts like that, our prayer closet, taking time to, to meditate in God's Word, talk to God about our purpose, and that we can find it. And it, it's going to take an effort. We are bombarded with distractions. We all have them, but at the same time, I think we, we know that when I pray and I ask God to make a way, He will. He will make a way in our busy lives, if that's what we desire. The second point, which I'll touch briefly on here, is that God will righteously judge every work. 
we know that this was one of the second conclusions that was concluded by uh, in our devotionals this week and also concluded in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, it's clear, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Again, wisdom's warning. The word of God causes us to weigh our actions. We may be tempted to do something wrong, but the Holy Spirit will bring a verse of scripture to mind to send us in the proper direction. The Lord never meant to stop us from taking action. He just wants our actions to be in sync with his word and his wisdom. Amen? And how many has that happened to them? We're about to do something, and God faithfully brings back his word to our remembrance. We're like, yes, I need to do that, or I need to not do that. Amen? And lastly, let us consider our highest priority, to fear God and keep his commandments. Amen? The fear of the Lord should go beyond respect for God. We should be motivated to foster a love for our creator in our hearts. While we started out walking with the Lord and felt a strong connection to him when we first received the Holy Spirit, we must recognize that every relationship requires consistent nurturing. Amen. We cultivate our walk with God and show love for him by keeping his commandments. So this Christmas, let us also conclude what the preacher concluded in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Amen. Let us stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to examine again your word, our purpose, Lord, and what really matters in this life. We know, Lord Jesus, we just have a brief period in this existence, in the, the grand scheme of time, Lord. Lord, I pray today that we are motivated to make our, our life matter for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For, Lord, you gave your life for us, Lord. It is our reasonable service to offer us ourselves as a living sacrifice, Lord, for you, Father. And you are standing by to help us every step of the way, to work with us, to labor in this field called life, Father, that we may be witnesses, Lord, of your great love, your great mercy, and your great grace, Father. I pray that that is the reflection of our lives every day, everywhere we go in the name of Jesus. And I pray that anyone who is struggling right now would know that they have access and with boldness can access the throne of your grace, Lord, to receive the healing, the deliverance, Lord, Lord, the comfort, Lord. We know that you know each and every one of us where we are at in our lives. And Lord, you desire to take us, to transform us, Lord, into something that we have never imagined. You have the best life for us, Father. We thank you for this time of Christmas, the reminder that you came into this world to bring great joy and peace. And your will is good toward us, Lord. You are standing by as our greatest advocate, Lord. You are our greatest champion, Lord. You are in our corner, Lord, to bring great revelation, the things of God into our lives, Father, things that we can never obtain on our own. So, Lord, this Christmas, let us recognize that you are the greatest gift, gift we could ever receive this side of heaven. And thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we ask all these things and give you thanks for them in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise in the name of Jesus.